everyone, this is Eduardo Enciso. Um, I was just waiting for some more people to log in. I see everybody's here. Welcome to this week's webinar. Today, uh, we're going to talk about the top 10 mistakes uh, my clients do uh, in sales and distribution. Right? I've been in sales and distribution, specifically beverage, uh, consumer goods, packaging, for over 12 years now, <clears throat> since the year 2000. Um, this is a little bit about me, and for those of you who don't know me, that's me. Uh, I've been I've been uh, consulting for companies like Miller, uh, Pepsi. I've been consulting for companies for uh, Five Hour Energy. Um, I, we've helped uh, here in our firm consult for companies that have gone public and are selling uh, over two million cases of their product. I've personally opened uh, thousands, and when I say I personally opened thousands of accounts around the country, I can tell you I've knocked on liquor store doors, convenience stores, corner markets, uh, literally in 17 different states uh, in the country. Right. So uh, you can ask me anything you like after we go through these 10 steps. Um, I'll try to make it brief. Um, terribly sorry I have a little bit of a cold today, but um, it'll be a lot of fun. This is what I live for. Now, first, uh, first common mistake, misuse of funds. Misuse of funds uh, is, is a very common mistake. I think it's the most common mistake with entrepreneurs and even with big companies that, that get to a certain plateau that the company is self-sustainable, they're doing well, they have constant sales, they, they're getting some profit out of their sales, uh, they're producing everything without going into investor money, uh, everything, I mean all their product, but then they want to use everything for marketing, for example. Everybody likes the, the sexy buy, you know, everybody likes the... Um, the, the buy that will tell all their family and friends, look at how successful my company's doing, right? And, and that's natural and, and it's understandable even, but, and especially with entrepreneurs, you know, you've been working on this idea and talking about it with your friends for two, three years. You wanna see a billboard, you know, near the freeway or, or a, uh, a bus stop or a, a transit station. Common mistake. What do you use for your money for? Well, I won't just tell you what not to use it for. I'll tell you how to use it. First, you use it for planning. Yes, you use your money for planning, for strategy. What's the next step? What if I had uh, four times the budget? What if, what can I do with this budget? Your plan on using your money, if it's a hundred thousand or a million, has to say, has to stay on par. Meaning that your plan has, and your execution, very important, of that plan, uh, marketing and sales budgets can't vary, your decisions can't vary depending on how much money you have. Yes, of course, if you're doing 
promo girls, you're going to do maybe two girls, spend $2,000, $2,500 a month. If you have a million, you'll probably spend fifteen to 20000 a month. But you would still do the promo girls, for example, in-store promotions, in bars to push the products. You know, you, you wouldn't do a whole promo team if you have a million, and you wouldn't do the promo team if you have 100000 because it's not with your strategy. Don't, don't change your strategy midstream just because you get more funds. Just do more of what you're doing if the strategy is correct. How do you know if the strategy is correct? How do you know if you're using your funds in the right way? What, what are you getting back? Right? Miller, internally, I remember years ago, I spent a year with them um, in Southern California. And they were saying that uh, they have a rule. For every marketing dollar they spend, they want two sales dollars back. Of course, they're, they sell billions around the world, and, and this rule didn't just start when they launched, and now they can do it, but it's a good rule. If you spend a dollar and you want two dollars back, you won't always get it, but always set, up, set yourself up to get that, to get it back. Right? Misuse of funds also means uh, hiring, hiring the wrong people. It's tough to know off the bat immediately. It'll take you some time. But hiring too much people, you can know immediately. Meaning that instead of putting your money to buy uh, more sales, like slotting fees, like distributor contracts, that you support them so they'll open more stores. You spend money on, you know, four regional managers, maybe a huge cushy office that you're never there in because you're selling all the time. I mean, I see the attractiveness of if you get a lot of funding at the beginning or if you're growing and maybe in your second year there's eight people, right? <coughs> There's eight people in your in your office, and you want to grow to 15. Justify each person. Each person has to justify themselves, right? How much are you spending on them per year? Give them at least six months. You know, I, I have a six months rule, especially with with new products. And when we take on a product here at Premier Brands that it's already been in the market for at least 18 months or 24 months, then we look at it different, but the strategy is the same. Okay. Now, that's misuse of funds. You can, I can go over this just, you know, hours, hours on. I've seen entrepreneurs that get $20 million from investors, great idea, great business plan, you know, great fundraising efforts. They're in their, you know, full first round of funding into their second round. 20 million, I kid you not. And then what happens? Uh, they, their company lasts 18 months. Uh, and I've seen it, and I haven't been a part of it, fortunately. Uh, we get those, um, those companies at the tail end. Well, I started with 20 million 18 months ago, and I have just six months to go before they pull everything back and I'm kicked out of my own company, and I only have 250000 left. I'm like, can you save my company? I'm like, wow, 
um, well, what did you do with the other 9750000 Well, you know, all the top executives earn between 20 and 15K a month. There's eight of those. And then we did a launch party in Vegas and a launch party in Manhattan, launch party in Miami. So how much that uh, run you? Well, you know, flying everybody there and this and that and samples all across the country because we're going to be a national brand, you know, by the second month. Then that, you know, was like half our budget. But we were thinking by the second year, we will sell more than that. Well, what do you mean sell more than that? Your business plan says your sales would be at two million. Well, yeah, but I'm investing 10 in what your strategy says. You know, so, so sometimes you can be your, your worst enemy. So that, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, we call it ego buys, right? Uh, getting a celebrity endorsement off the bat when you get the money, but this is not a celebrity endorsed product. You didn't, you didn't uh, invent it that way. Sometimes products are geared as a celebrity endorsed from the start. That's fine because you're consider that consider everything from that celebrity in your product the image, everything else. But endorsing and owning are different things. When a distributor sees that a particular famous person, either sports, celebrity, or movies, TV, or music, is part of your team, they want to know if you're paying them, if they have stock, or they're actually involved. And actually involved doesn't that they're carrying the case, but it means that they want to know at least every month what's going on with the company and they're putting some money into it, putting their name, and they know everything that's going on with the company. You know, like, like any CEO or, or VP that's not hands-on would, would know. Um, misuse of funds, it's getting three, four celebrity endorsements, one for music, one for sports, one for TV, one for movies, off the bat because you think just having famous names are that's going to bring you a lot of sales. Hard work brings you sales. Okay. Now, that misuse of funds. Like I said, I can do this for hours. Let's go on to the second one. <coughs> second one, not choosing the right strategy for your launch. Okay, the right strategy. Um, well, I talked a little bit about this last time. The, the last example, the misuse of funds is all about how your strategy, you know, the, the first step is how misuse of funds, how your strategy um, and your funds are connected. The second one is that if you already have your funds, you already have your team together, you have your concept, it's already produced, you have your sales collateral, and we'll go over that a little later in the, in the webinar. The right strategy means if you're geared up for a West Coast launch or an East Coast launch or maybe the South, Texas and the Deep South, or maybe a nationwide launch, then stick to your strategy. You know, how are you going to attack those sales managers, CEOs, owners, you know, um, the buyers? category buyers of that particular strategy of the West Coast launch. If you're not going to go into chain accounts until the second year, 
and by month six, some buyer at a particular chain account, you know, depending on your product, approaches you and tells you, you know what, I would love your product into my stores. You're excited because obviously it's it's positive and somebody likes my product and they actually want to buy it and it's going to be a big buy and I would love to, um, you know, be a part of it and you're all excited and you're like, you know what, let's do it, Let, I'll, I'll sell it to you. Of course, 200 stores, where are you in Utah? Sure, that's West Coast, that's part of my strategy, no problem. Um, but you were, but in your strategy it says chain accounts until the second year. What happens that your inventory is geared up to maybe local distribution and your marketing money is geared up to support the local distribution and then when they order, you know, you, you get the PO, you're all excited, they order uh, two truckloads or three truckloads for the 200 stores, you, you put in the, the invoice, everything's done, but then they ask on your going to market plan so so many other you know incentives and programs and how are you going to support the 200 stores that then you can support you know the local distributor that's been with you for those six months and since it and then you think oh no wonder it wasn't part of my strategy the first year I don't have enough inventory enough marketing money enough people they want promo girls there every weekend just on on this side of you know that state and then the other side where the other stores are you know on, on the odd weeks and in the pair you know it it becomes bigger than your strategy and yes you want to grow but your strategy you have to put your strategy your marketing and your sales goals flexible enough to grow you know flexible enough that if you are uh, diverting from your strategy a little bit then that's in your strategy, the diversion, the growth, the adding another salesperson, you know, the, the grabbing a, a chain but telling them, you know what, I'm not geared up for 200 stores, let's do 50 right now. And if it does well in three months, let's do another 50. That's in your strategy. Okay, if you're launching East Coast but somebody in Texas is offering you 500 stores because they love your product, but you weren't going into Texas maybe until fall of next year because, you know, it's, it's in your strategy, it's in, in the growth planning. Then you think, okay, uh, well, it's 500 stores, it'll give me this much. Yeah, it'll deplete my, my, um, my existing inventory, but I'll just make more. But while you're making more, the three distributors you already have, since you sent everything, the growth, opportunity in Texas, you went away from your initial strategy and then you don't have enough to fill your leads locally and that's where, because you have to prove yourself the first two years, they don't want you back. You were the new kid on the block, you have to prove yourself, even if you're doing well, you still have to prove yourself to them over and over until you're a proven commodity. Right now, at, at the beginning, your strategy, you have to remind yourself, I want them. They don't want me yet. Okay. Um, again, we can go over strategy more and more specific to each person 
what product to do, what product not to do, how many products to launch. We'll go into that a little later today. What, um, you know, how many people to put in there depending on my marketing budget. Well, it depends on your growth, really, and, and the funding you may have. Now, let's move on to number three. Number three of the um, mistakes in sales. Mistakes in sales and distribution. Uh, not identifying the target market that fits your project. Obviously, there's, there's things uh, anybody can see, even if you don't have experience in sales and distribution, maybe in beverage, consumer packaged goods. Um, if you're doing an alcoholic uh, beverage, you're not selling it to Whole Foods. If you're doing an all-natural beverage, you're not necessarily going after Kroger at the beginning, right, or Safeway or Vobs. Why? Because even if you end up that way, um, even if uh, a liquor store chain grabs it here and there for their non-alcoholic you know, section, it's not your target. <coughs> That's not where your target is going to shop. That's not where the person you imagined and you envisioned is looking for your product. Even if it doesn't exist yet, you have to, you have to start from the end when starting a new project, right? Who's the target market? Male or female? What does that male or female like? They like um, what type of music? How do they dress? Where do they shop? Um, you know, what kind of friends do they have? All of that. You have to imagine a person, you know, when you're imagining a product. Uh, why? Because you want to become friends with that person. You want to know what that, everything that makes that person tick. Uh, how to approach their needs and their wants. Target market is very tricky because you can have an idea of it, but it can change with time. The core market won't change, and you're always looking for where is that core market. If you think all natural, all organic, healthy, functional beverages, for example, are in the South, then I can tell you off the bat before you launch, before you launch, why natural channel for the, um, you know, sweet energy, um, carbonated channel for the non-alcoholic and the alcoholic channel and the core market, the West Coast versus the East Coast, Midwest and in the South, they buy in a different way. Okay? Now, don't kid yourself, nobody creates a product that everybody is going to like. Unfortunately, yes, you want to create a product that is Coca-Cola, vitamin, even Coca-Cola. I know a lot of people that don't drink it. The main people think, oh, it's for everybody. It's everywhere, which is different, but it's not for everybody. Right? Water, everybody drinks bottled water. Actually, some drink soft drinks, depending on what region. Have you sold in Mississippi? I have. I know what they drink. I know their tendencies. Have you sold in Cook County in Chicago? Have you gone to bodega and then another bodega, another bodega, and just in Manhattan and trying to find parking and selling store to store? 
Have you gone to LA in, in seven different uh, counties and see how they buy, what times do they buy, why, what are they buying more than another? What packaging, what if it's 12 ounce, 16 ounce, 20 ounce, if it's a liter, you know, uh, where to put it, if it's near the counter, if it's dry space, it, you know, all of that goes into the target market and you have to create the most extensive profile you can on that. <coughs> and there's that cold again. Okay, next one. Uh, not considering the advice of your consultants, you are paying. <laughs> this um, is very unique to us and, and to other consulting firms that I know across the country. And maybe to somebody that you have in, on your team that you trust their opinion and you put them there for a reason, but then after six months, you think you know everything there is to know about your product, and you probably do because if you're the owner, the CEO, the creator, you're you're the backbone of it, or part of the backbone. You're the energy. You're the little motor that you know keeps that company going. The vision when nobody thinks you're going to make it, and you do. That's you. That's the entrepreneur, CEO of a company. Now. Many, many, many years ago, I learned the hard way, making mistakes, of course. That's the best way to learn, I think. From consulting some CEOs, they told me, and then they went public. They, they're doing very, very well, very successful. But they were talking about their ventures that have not gone successful. And they were telling me, Eduardo, you, as a CEO, as an owner, as an entrepreneur, or, or somebody taking a successful company trying to take it to the next level will tell you a piece of advice that today I'm sharing that many of, you, many of you probably already know, but it's worth repeating. You can't be the smartest person in the company. When you're at a table with your company in a room and everybody's around you, if you know how to do everybody's job, you've hired wrong. That's what they told me. Why? Because you're just duplicating what you do, but nobody's giving you new ideas. Okay, nobody's challenging you to get to the next level. They're just fulfilling your dream, your needs, and having their dream as part of your goal. So the consultants or the board members or even the employees that you are paying, if they have an idea, consider it. If you think it's a bad idea at the beginning, and, and it may be a bad idea because you know your, your company and your vision better than everybody, uh, or you should, then don't disregard it. Um, say you're going to consider it, and from there, maybe another idea uh, comes about, or maybe Somebody says something to you that it's not applicable in, in, in the timing of it, but then it's right on when you feel the timing is right. But, but you have to listen. Somebody that sells very well listens twice as well. Uh, I see there's some questions coming in. Uh, we'll answer questions uh, at the end.
we're, we're almost done with these examples. Uh, launching three or more different products at the same time when launching your first company or your first product. Common mistake. Um, <coughs> has it worked in the past? Have I seen companies that launched three, four different products um, and be, been successful? Marginally, yes, but no one that I know of or that I've heard of or that I've seen or read, and I look for everything and I go to trade shows and I read and I look online and I get all the trade magazines and nobody's launched even two different products uh, and been very successful, at least at the beginning. I put this here because I get the question all the time, hey, should I launch three, four different flavors of the same product? Yeah, that's different. Um, you could launch two, three different flavors of the same product, but not different products, meaning that if you're launching an organic tea with energy, let's say, uh, then don't launch a non-energy uh, sugary tea for kids because then you have the kids strategy, marketing budget, sales budget, and then you have your you know, adult target market with women that want to get energy, not the calories type of, um, I'm just inventing product right now, <laughs> type of margin and market. So that's creating two companies. You need to know how you work as a company, how the money's coming in, how the PO voice and the logistics and the storage, you know, and the mistakes you're going to make because everybody does them, right? Everybody does mistakes. And launching several products at the same time and dividing your marketing money and thinking it's going to be the same marketing money is wrong. Sometimes if you launch alcoholic and non-alcoholic or sugary and non-sugary, sometimes there's, there's different buyers in a particular chain and you're not dealing with the same person. Sometimes one of them buys in March and one of them buys in November. Sometimes uh, one of them only meets on Mondays, only meets on Fridays, and they're in Wisconsin and you're in Miami and you have to fly there on Monday and you have to fly there on Friday. Why don't fly there on Friday and stay until Monday? That's not how they schedule you. They don't know you have two different products. Um, and if you tell them, hey, can I meet with them the same days? Like, that's not how we work. And it's happened, and I've seen it. And first establish, what I can tell you, establish your brand name first. Have people that when you say, you know, your brand name, they know what you're talking about, and then you can do brand extensions. Okay. Another one, doing large production runs without having distribution first. This is very common, unfortunately. Fortunately, I say because uh, I've got entrepreneurs that get two, three hundred thousand dollars funding. They spend one hundred eighty thousand on ten truckloads because the price break was great, and instead of doing their lemonade at eighty cents, they were getting it at thirty cents, and they're selling it at two dollars. So it just made sense. So you don't have any distribution. You have 10 truckloads worth, you have 22 pallets per truckload, you have around 2,200 cases per truckload. 
yes, you got it 50 cents you know, cheaper, you got a lot more margin for it, but you have nowhere to put it. So we've gotten calls six months down the road, you know what, I have five truckloads that are about to expire, uh, I'm doing specials, I'm selling it at 50 cents, I'm trying to get it out of here, I just got a great, you know, uh, great price on it. Yeah, plus shipping and plus storage and it's stored per pallet and even the best storing that charges you 12 to $15 a pallet, it's still a lot of, it's over 100 pallets. You know, it's every month and you've been at it for a year and you still have the rest of it. You should have done the one or two trucks, 80 cents per unit, you know, at the beginning, get some distribution, get sales, justify why you're doing another two, three trucks, and then go. If you sell too fast, that's a good story to tell distributors and buyers. So, you know, we're selling so well, we're so successful. We launched three uh, months ago that we're off product, it's going so well. So I can't deliver to you next week, but give me three weeks and I'll give you this super hot selling product. That's better than, can you take my product at a discount because it's about to expire? Just think about, about that for a second. Uh, another one, not having the right sales collateral in place before you start your campaign. Now, on this one, um, a lot of sales collateral meaning that it has to be done your sales sheets and your spec sheets at least, that's a minimum, before you start knocking on doors, before your first call okay, is done. Why? Because you need to know your margins. You need to know uh, how many cases per unit. You need to know how many units per pallet. You need to know uh, how much inventory you have and then deplete your inventory backwards, right? Sales collateral, what if you get a huge distributor and yeah, he can wait two, three weeks for the POS, you know, point of, point of sale material, no problem. But he can't wait six months for it. He can't wait three months. And even if they like your product and they take it and they place it well, if it's over four to six weeks, then nobody's looking at your product. Next month they won't buy. The product is in their warehouse. You need to have, and this is part of your strategy, it builds on that. Do you have all the, the POS ready? Do you have all the giveaways? Do you have some t-shirts? Do you have somebody that can make them quickly? Do you have all your vendors set up? You know, that, that's a, a very common mistake that you're scrambling and sometimes you pay more for it. Now, another one, not knowing the margins correctly to put uh, any type of negotiation or distributor in the process, in the middle, right, in the, um, in the sales process. That means that if you're selling your, your product at uh, $2.199 and you're giving a C store 30% and you're giving a chain store 25%, Right, and then you're giving the distributor um, 20 to 25 percent. Then, what if you get a big deal? And this is very, very common. You you try to jump the distributor. Let's say your your strategy is West Coast. You're only doing California. You get a couple of distributors. You have a three-tier distribution system. You're doing well. 
but then a big chain in, in Arizona calls you and he's like, hey, I'll take it, you know, and, and it's part of your strategy within your marketing budget, and you're like, well, I don't have a distributor yet, but I'll sell it to them at a distributor price or close to it, maybe not, you know, if it's $2, not the 170 that the store has it, not the 140 that the distributor has it, but since I'm selling it directly, I'll sell it for 150. I'll get more percentage, they'll buy more, they'll get more percentage. That's a mistake. Why? Because yes, it makes sense at the beginning, but what about three months from now when they're ordering for the second or third time another truck and a half or two truckloads and it's doing very well because you're following your strategy and your marketing budget, <coughs> but um, a distributor wants to come in. Your distributor, if he's 140 and you sold it directly at 150, you can't fit a distributor in the middle. Now you have to go 120 and it's and not only are you losing on the deal that you were winning on before, now you have more people to pay, right? And now you have uh, less margin and you're doing the logistics for the distributor, but you need them because this chain account has just grown, is, is growing and growing out of your um, control, which happens, happens a lot. Or what if when you sell to a wholesaler, you know, after, uh, wholesalers I recommend uh, second year, FYI, unless it's alcohol. First year is fine, but normally uh, second year for wholesalers and for cash and carries are almost the same thing. So uh, with wholesalers, they'll negotiate you, and I mean, just until the cows come home. Just negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Wholesalers will try to bring your price down so they can sell to stores, like a distributor. But the difference is that if you get a true DSD direct store delivery distributor um, going to the stores and merchandising, that's better than a wholesaler that's buying more than the distributor is because you're building a brand. Okay, You're not just putting it out there for money. You're building a brand. But wholesalers because they negotiate volume, you have to set your margins on volume um, discount. Meaning that if you set up a 30% from price to store and another 25% from store to distributor, set up another 50% for your cost. Okay, That way you have an, an extra 10 to 15% that you're not telling anybody about, that you can still negotiate volume, okay? What if Walmart wants it on year three and you are selling 14 truckloads to their distribution system? You have that little 10% back of your mind. You're like, okay, I can go big. It's part of my strategy. So make sure you're not just selling for the now, but you're selling for the what if and the, in the future of your company. Now, having the incorrect geographical strategy for distribution and warehousing. Uh, let's say you got the best deal ever on producing your product in Wisconsin, right? And uh, a really good co-packer, uh, formula house, 
You know, they're very friendly. They deal with you. They give you terms. Um, you know, you're, you're making an extra 10% because the product's so low. But it's, uh, you know, you're launching in Southern California because it's an all-organic, all-natural, you know, beverage. So the shipping between one and the other just ate up your 10%, not just that, maybe an, an extra 5% on your actual margin instead of, you know, um, not having that extra 10%, which you really don't have, and bottling it in L.A., which that is your launch state anyway. Now, I get questions like, Eduardo, I want to launch my product nationally. I have the budget. It's in my strategy. I have the manpower. What if I get warehouses, one in New York, one in uh, Houston, and one in uh, San Francisco, right, which is very common. Um, I'm like, well, that's great, but, you know, you're getting warehouses there. Where are you launching? Well, I'm launching, you know, in Houston, in Texas, you know, around there first, but I want to bring product to the other place. Well, do you have sales, you know, in, in Manhattan to set up the, 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 Jersey, uh, the Jersey logistics or do you have sales in, in California to set up the San Francisco one? Well, no, but I plan to have sales and I'm going to do marketing there. Okay, well, it's cheaper in the long run to send a product that's already sold and you can negotiate shipping on it to a particular, you know, state that you're not in yet than selling it from that state because you don't know if it's going to take months to sell it in. You're not, you don't know. What if it's the next month? That's great. And you're all set up. But you're playing... You know, you're not playing um, ideals here, right? You wanna, you wanna guard the money and guard the, the brand image as a family member, right? You've built this from idea stage, so built it the, the right way. Uh, who's your logistics? Who's going to do your shipping? <clears throat> How far is your shipping? If you're shipping from Utah at a logistics place. Arizona, maybe New Mexico, Colorado, Oregon, California, that's fine. That's fine. It's logistics. You're selling directly to stores. You know, it's a fulfillment center. But then if you're doing, you know, the margins built in, it's a fulfillment center. But then if you're doing uh, Georgia and, and Tennessee and Kentucky, there's fulfillment centers over there as well in the planet, right, that maybe you can separate what you're doing here and kind of mirror image that what you're doing over there. Right? Don't, don't get stuck in one place just because you're from there. Maybe you're from California and your product is just selling tremendous in uh, the deep south and it's not selling at all in California. You have to pull out of California and only sell in the deep south. It's okay. It doesn't mean you have to move there but your logistics and your warehousing probably does. Consider that. Next one. Next common mistake, sales and distribution that I've seen. <coughs> Not planning on growth for your sales model. Again, uh, I get calls. I just made a, um, a product. I think it's one of the best products out there. 
and maybe it is. You know, I'm not saying it's not. But, you know, best products out there. And what happens is that you want to sell to Walmart and to Kroger first day out. That's great, but did you realize the five truckloads you just did, four of them are going to Walmart. They're not paying you in 45 days. They already ordered another three truckloads three weeks out that you have to produce and spend money on, but you haven't get paid on the first one yet. Right? So planning for growth. Don't just move your product from one place to another. It's just moving inventory because you're not getting paid for it. Get some cash sales, get some small distribution if that's in your model. Um, if in your model is I have so much uh, inventory, I'm getting a great price, I have so much marketing money that I just want to attack nationwide, chains only, I don't care if I don't get paid you know, in, in six months. Of course, you're going to get paid every month or every other month, but you're putting that into production, so you actually don't see the money up to six months because you're, it's already spent when you see it. That's what I mean, getting paid in six months. It doesn't mean that you don't get money. So planning for growth also means, okay, I did a small run, just 2,000 2, or 3,000 cases. That's, that's considered a very, very small run of any product almost. And um, although we've done, you know, with relationships we have, we've done 200, 300 cases in, in some cases uh, with entrepreneurs that ju are just starting out, want to prove their model to investors. But normally it's two, three thousand. You sell those before, you know, the, the last 500 are done to another 2,000. Do another 3,000. Don't go another 10,000. Maybe if you're selling very well, if you sold the other 2,500 in, in uh, you know, five weeks, six weeks, then yeah, go 10,000. That means you're up to par. Always try to have 30 days out inventory. Okay? After 90 to 180 days, in some cases, you'll know what 30 days out inventory means. Now, uh, I welcome your questions. Um, that is not me when I was a little kid, or Jorge Olson, our CEO, uh, when we were little kids. Uh, if it was us, we would probably have a basketball in our hands, or a football, or something like that. But although the one on the right looks like Jorge, you'd be surprised. Now, um, let's, let's talk about um, how we can help you. With, with all of these things. How we can help you is, these are our numbers, our office number and our local number in San Diego. Um, that's the email. You can schedule uh, conference calls to, to, with us, with me directly. I'm the VP of Sales and Operations here at Premier Brands. Um, I've been uh, working with Jorge for, since 2000. I've seen so many, you know, energy drinks, energy shots, teas, waters, functional beverages. We don't work with everybody that calls us. We choose, we choose people. You know, we don't choose necessarily the ideas. We choose people that want to 
be CEOs, people that want to be owners of a company, not create a beverage for their friends. So when you're calling us, have an idea that we want to make you successful, not just come out with a product. Okay. Um, now I have a question from Alvin. Uh, what is a realized first year sales look like for a state population of 4.6 million? Well, it doesn't depend on how many people necessarily. It depends on what state it is and what product you're selling. Okay, meaning that um, Alvin, it means more if it's 4.6 million, if it's San Diego and it's an all natural product, or if it's, um, let me see, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, and it's an energy drink, okay, or a tequila. The top selling, you know, tequilas go to certain states. The top selling carbonated uh, or soda go to certain states have first, um, you know, eight to 12 months, and that's, you know, minimum. I would say you have to look for, get as close to 500,000 cases as possible. You know, if you're going slow, if you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're still looking for funding. Um, and by the way, that's one of, that's one of the questions is also that I was going to launch a product. Well, you need, first of all, you need, first answer is as much as you can. That's first answer. Meaning that vitamin water, you know, this great success story sold for over $4 billion to Coke. People don't realize they were selling hundreds of millions and they were in their 11th round of funding. Okay, they never stopped asking for money. Okay, so don't necessarily use your money or your company's money that's going back into your company. Always keep asking for money because the more sales you have and the more rounds you do, it's going to become easier. And then it's on your terms, right? That's a, that's a I learned from them. Uh, Todd, you have a question. Uh, Eduardo, you had mentioned launch one, product not three. What if the two other products are just show and tell for a business plan for investors or venture capital? Uh, that's a good question. Well, Todd, um, because of your strategy, of your marketing money, of your sales power, of your focus really on your sales distribution and marketing, that's what I mean, one product. Now, you can have on your website and on your business plan uh, even formulated and pictures of coming soon products up to 10 if you like. 
right? Are they available? Well, not yet. You know, can you pre-sell them? Eh, I don't recommend it unless you can get a very high number. Uh, and you put there specifically on the website, coming soon, you know, products. And then you get comments, oh, that one looks good. I love your, your current product, but you said you were coming out with a different flavor. How about trying this one? You know, and then you'll get specific suggestions. Or the investors, if you set up different products, they'll know you're in this for brand extensions. You're in this for the long haul, which is great. I recommend you having different ideas at least or different versions of the same product in your plan, right? Maybe even on your website, but not coming out and launching them, you know, at, at the beginning. That's, that's more of what I meant. Um, what else? I have others, um, similar questions to these. Uh, okay, sales and distribution. When do I know? When do I know that uh, this is from David? There's a couple of Davids, uh, but it says just David. When do I know that um, to, when to hire salespeople? When to hire salespeople or a brand managers? I like to call them. Um, well, that's a good question. It depends on your model, and it depends on your advisors and how involved they are. Um, well, your, your, your model says normally, depending on how hands-on you're going to be as an owner, if you want to be a, a look back, tell me the numbers, you know, weekly calls type of owner, and hire somebody at the beginning. Hire brand manager, at least two people, two or three people, to well, three people is ideal, to handle logistics, sales and distribution, marketing, have their internal meetings, and just tell you what they decided, and maybe you're the tiebreaker type of company. That's great. But if you're a hands-on, you and your wife, or you and your brother, you and your best friend type of company, or you have a lot of funding to hire a lot of salespeople, I would go slow. I'll, I would go just two or three people at the beginning total, and then go one by one as you grow. Let sales determine and justify the salaries, okay? Not trying to justify the salaries after you have that, okay? Um, good question. Alvin, to wait, sorry, I didn't catch the ending of the part I should sell. 50,000 cases or 5,000 cases the first year? Oh, I was saying it depends on, on where you're selling and what your marketing budget. Um, it wasn't really 50 or, or 5,000 your first year. Uh, I was actually saying you have to get as close as possible on something like that to 500, uh, half a million, right? Uh, 500000. <laughs> now, uh, if your marketing budget is, is below 100,000, then I would adjust it. I would say your sales all um, it's a hundred thousand under a hundred thousand dollars in marketing that you can spend per year, then you're more around two hundred thousand as a goal, you know, which is very doable. Uh, it's very you see distribution sales and distribution 
and I say this a lot, it, it's, um, you can't have a, a magic bullet or you can't have a fairy dust, you know, magic, right? It's hard work. It's hard work and you're doing it every single day, right? Just do it every single day. An entrepreneur and owner of a company has to do two things every day. Every day he has to ask for money and every day he has to sell his product. If it's with his neighbor, if it's with other investors, if it's via email, your your conversations always you don't have to be blatant about it, you know, it depends on your level of executive but that you want to be, but always be selling your product and always be asking for more money to grow your product. You know, because you're justifying it. Now if you have fifty thousand in marketing, if you're starting out slow then you want to get to 100,000. If you have 100,000, you want to get to maybe 200, 150,000. Um, under 250,000 marketing budget, Alvin and, and Todd and David and the rest of you, try to double your marketing and your sales. For every marketing dollar you spend, you want two in sales. 1.5 is great, 1.2 you're still in the margin of doing okay. 1.7, you're successful. You know, $1.70 for every marketing money, that's what I mean. But $2 is ideal. And that's what you want to strive for. Okay? So if you're spending 80, then it's 160 in sales. Okay? Now, it's in how you spend it, where you spend it, the type of product you're doing, and what region you're doing it in if the region is appropriate to the product that you're doing. Okay. Um, not every region consumes every product. You would think certain products, oh, I see it in my grocery store and in the liquor store and in the Chevron, in the Shell, in the A&PM, in the 7-Eleven, in my city. So it must be everywhere in the country. No, it's not. Actually, 80% I think it's more now. 85%, uh, and I'm not just pulling out the numbers. This is a, a year long that we did. We just finished in February. 85% uh, of beverages don't sell nationwide. Okay? Meaning that there's companies in California that have been there for 10 years and are millionaires that don't sell out of the West Coast. Okay, maybe they're in Vegas, maybe they're in Arizona, but they don't know them in New York. They don't know them in Florida. They don't know the, know them in in Detroit or in Chicago. And same thing goes for Florida products. Or I can tell you companies that we've helped go to a, a two million and a half um, cases in a four year period, uh, and that product only sells in the south. You know specifically. So you don't have to be nationwide to be successful. His family and all his friends that he hired uh, live off that company. He's well off. He upgraded his cars and his house and his vacation. He's a friend of mine now. I've known him for five, six years because I opened personally with him on my side 1,100 stores, you know, in a 10-month period. Um, you know, it's, I respect him for that hardworking guy. That's the only way to do it. Now, another question. Um, with energy drinks, 
being priced at 299 by itself or 2 for 4 sometimes 3 for 5 I'll just add that uh, what is a good wholesale price for energy drinks well I think what, what uh, Rockstar did for a period of five years when Monster and Red Bull were trying to get them off the market, uh, they were $199 everyday price, but then they were three for five. I mean, they were um, two for three, two for three dollars. And now they switched for two for five dollars. If you're going to go wholesale, then you have to have a built-in um, for any, not just energy drinks, for any product, you have to go grab your 50% margin that you're doing per unit and you're not going to have on a wholesale price 50% margin per unit on every single unit. You have to price, your price strategy has to be per category. Right? If you're doing wholesale and big box and Walmart is different than doing C stores and liquor distributors, it's different pricing. Right? If you're doing uh, 7-Elevens, alcoholic pricing. So you're going to go instead of 50 and 50, which is normal for unit, you know, for the brand, you're going to go 35 and 35 or 40 and 40. You know, change change the, um, the margin you're, because the point being is you're earning a little less but you're selling a little more. That if you're discounting, discount for a reason. Don't discount because you're doing, you're doing badly in sales. That's not a good sales strategy. Oh, I'm doing badly so I'm going to discount it and because it's cheaper they're going to buy more. Not true. Not necessarily. If you're going lower rate, that means you're doing well, you're discounting it so you can reach a broader appeal, okay? Because you want to take out somebody in your competition pool, in your shelf, that maybe is grabbing a little traction on you, you know? Or maybe you want to grab traction then. So you do it for a reason, not because you're not doing well in sales. You do it to negotiate bigger sales. That's why you discount. Okay, okay so um, it's about an hour. I don't want to bore you. <laughs> I thank all of you for joining us. And uh, again, these are our numbers. Uh, toll free, 888-276-5688. Local, if you're in Southern California, 619-722-5033. You can email us at info at premierbrandsinc.com, set up a um, conference call with me, and uh, I would be happy to talk to you. Thank you very much, and have a great, great rest of the week.